I just want to open up with a story about um, the, the, the title of tonight's message. Um, many people come from a different faith background before they get saved. Some people grow up in, in church and, and they grow up seeing um, how the Lord works and how the Lord operates. But um, I was having a conversation with a guy uh, at a restaurant, my wife and I, last weekend. And he was telling me that he has actually been a part of, he was very knowledgeable, but he had been a part of about four different uh, major religions in the world. And he was a very, very bright guy. He was a nice guy. And we got into this conversation because he was such a good waiter that he kept coming back. And I just finally had to tell him, man, you are doing an amazing job. Like, I want to get you every time I come here. You know, he was funny. He was witty all this stuff. And um, one of the things he said was, man, you know what I found out about God is that if there is a God, he doesn't really want to communicate with us. And he said, um, and so as soon as I figured that out, I didn't really have to stress so much about it anymore. And um, when he said that, he was so convinced. And so it, it broke my heart because I was there at one point. I didn't think there was a God. And, and, um, and even once I, I started to test out faith or check into Jesus or any other religion, I thought the same thing. I thought, if there is a God, what, what in the world would he want to talk to me for? And so when he said that, I said, man, let me just encourage you. It's not about a right or wrong thing here. I just want, I just want to tell you, man, there really is a God and he really does want to speak to you. And, um, and we prayed. It was really cool. We got to pray with him. I asked him at the end. There was no one outside. We we're sitting in a little patio area and I asked him at the end, Hey, man, you think we could, we could pray with you? And, um, he was, he was all right with that. So, um, so we prayed with him. I gave him my phone number so we can go grab some coffee or something. And as I'm driving home, I just felt like the Lord say, um, a lot of people who are, like a lot of my children know what you just said to be true, but they don't necessarily interact with me. And, um, and so I, I just so happen to be preparing and I don't think it's a coincidence, but I already had some titles, um, written down. And so tonight I want to talk about interacting with the spirit of God, interacting with the spirit of God. Um, how many of you in here know that beyond, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, um, God does want to talk to you. Amen. Yeah. Um, how many of you know in here, even if you, if you really mess up, if you, if you fall into sin or, uh, if you, if you didn't perform one particular day or one particular week, God still wants to talk to you. He still wants to talk to you. We see evidence of this through the Bible and, uh, we see it with Moses. We see it with Adam and Eve. We see it with David. Uh, we just see it all throughout the Old Testament, God constantly pursuing his people. And then, of course, when Jesus comes, um, he was he, he is God, and he came, and he had a relationship with people. He was a big-time relational God or man and God. And then after Jesus dies and raises and goes to heaven, we see people have a continued dialogue with God still. And so it's, it's biblically evident, and he still is doing that today. Um, but in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about an impor the importance of abiding in him. And, and that word abiding 
means to fully follow and fully be adopted by or to be fully adopted by. And um, it, it's the same word that is used in, in adoption. And so Jesus is saying, like, it's not just a part-time gig. You need to, you need to follow me as, as, and, and abide in me. And everything you do, I need to be consulted with. I want to be a part of everything. And so as I was reading and preparing for this message, um, I wanted to start here in the introduction. In uh, John chapter 15, verse 5, this is the theme verse of all of chapter 15. This would be like the theme verse. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so Jesus spends all of chapter 15 literally hammering this point. And so He's not just talking to just anybody. He's talking to disciples, but he's also talking to, to specific disciples that left everything they had, their trades, their businesses, their families, their friends, and they followed him. And what stuck out to me was he's telling them how important it is for them to abide in him, to follow him, um, consult him in everything they do. And he's, he's not talking to just regular people. He's talking to people who've already left everything. And so the whole chapter is about that. And the very next chapter is the opener verse for tonight. It's chapter 16. And he says this. He, so he, he, he recaps the first three verses. He recaps what he said in chapter 15. Just simply putting, you got that? You understand how important this is? I need you to follow me. And so after he says that, he says, now, now that you're following me, I need to tell you something important. I'm going to leave, and where I'm going, you can't come. So all these people have just been told, follow me, follow me, follow me. They've left everything. How many of you have a job in here? I mean, imagine if, if you left your job, they have to fill the spot, right? So if you left your job and you say, oh, I don't think I, I shouldn't have done that, and you turn around, it's probably too late. They've already filled the spot. Every person he's talking to is in that position. They've already left everything to follow him. And now he says, okay, good. By the way, I'm going somewhere and where I'm going, you can't come. And so we pick up in verse five of chapter 16. So in the context of all this, Jesus says, now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. We'll talk a little bit more about those three things. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. And so what he's saying in here is, I'm going to convict people of sin because they don't believe in me. These people he's talking to, his disciples believed in him. And so 
the desire for sin, like most, whenever we get saved, the desire for sin leaves and the desire for Jesus is what comes into our heart. Temptation's still real, but our desire is for Jesus, not for sin. So he's saying, if I go, I'm going to send a helper to continue that task. Then in verse 10, he says, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to my father where you can no longer see me. And so in these cases, in regards to righteousness, if you think about it several times throughout the Bible and Jesus's teachings, his apostles and his disciples would come to him and say, hey, Jesus, got a little mishap here. I need your advice. I need I need some some counsel here. And he would say, man, look, we tried to cast a demon out and we couldn't do it. What should we do? And Jesus gives them the remedy. Or he says, hey, somebody's brother died. What should we do? And Jesus gives them the remedy. But Jesus is saying here, that needs to continue. So I'm going to send the helper. And then, of course, in verse 11, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from me from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more, and then after a while, you will see me again. And so in the context of this verse, I had someone ask me a question that I thought was a great question. And, um, and I want to ask it to you guys. If I told you that right now, um, the, the Holy Spirit is with you. Anywhere you go, the Spirit of God is going to do exactly what he said he would do. He would remind you of things that he said before. He would give you the right words to say when you need it. He would give you wisdom. He would give you guidance. The Holy Spirit would do all those things. You can, you can have that or... In five minutes, Jesus himself is going to walk through that door back there. And, and, and Jesus in bodily form is going to walk up to the altar. And you can come up and you can spend 30 minutes with Jesus. But after 30 minutes, he's going right back up to heaven. But you can't have the Holy Spirit anymore. Would you take the 30 minutes with Jesus or would you take the Holy Spirit? When the first time that somebody asked me that question, or the only time that somebody asked me that question, I was so conflicted. And I was conflicted because, like many of you, or all of you, hopefully, um, I did like the disciples did and, and left everything. I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew of one Christian when I got saved, but it wasn't the cool thing to do for sure. And I left everything to follow him. And so, to be honest, I can't wait to, I can't wait to hug Jesus. I mean, I, I have a lot of life left to live, hopefully. And, um, <laughs> I have a lot left to live, hopefully. But man, it's, it's, I can't wait to, I can't wait to just grab Jesus and hug him and, and ask him questions. And man, I can't wait. But the reality hit me that if Jesus was here in the flesh, He's in the flesh. He can't be in more places, in multiple places at one time. And so I, I resolved to say, like somebody said earlier, I, I would take the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, like Jesus understood that principle. He knew that one day in heaven we would be with him. 
But he also knew that he could only be in one place at one time. And so he sent the Holy Spirit, who can be in multiple places at one time, and give specific individual things to people as they need it. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to tell you guys one more story. Um, when I first got saved, uh, I, I experienced what the disciples were experiencing here. They weren't happy that Jesus was leaving. Matter of fact, um, Jesus even had to rebuke one of them several times because he was unhappy that Jesus was leaving. And when I first got saved, I had a good friend of mine who discipled me. He taught me how to read um, the Bible. He taught me what worship was, and uh, he just encouraged me. And I had a lot of decisions to make. As you know, when you first give your life to the Lord, there's some relationships you need to break. Um, there are some life decisions that oftentimes you have to make. And it's not always easy decisions. And he walked me through a lot of these things. Well, after about a year, I had a really big decision to make. And uh, it involved uh, quitting a part-time job that I had in college. Uh, it, was, it involved a payment plan for tuition. It was just a lot. It was a lot. And it was a Friday evening, and I called him up. And I said, hey, man, I, you know, you're you familiar with what I've been talking to you about. And, man, I have to make this decision by Sunday. I really need you to help me with this. And he just always had so much wisdom, so it helped to talk things out with him. And the next thing he told me was, hey, man, listen, I'm actually headed back home. And where I'm at, there's not a lot of service. And plus, I need a visit with a lot of people. So I'm not going to be able to talk to you this weekend. You know, you're just going to have to figure it out. And then he hung up. He hung up on me. So I tried to call him back, and he didn't answer. And finally, uh, after about four more phone calls of trying to call him back, uh, he said, hey, man, look, I know, you, I know you're worried. I know you got a big decision to make, but you don't need me. You need to go pray about this. And so, I, of course, I was still frustrated. You know, Of course, that's what you're going to tell me. And so we hang up, and that whole, that whole Friday night, I didn't pray about it. Saturday night, I didn't pray about it, but I couldn't sleep. And so finally, I got in the presence of God, and I just started, started to just worship God, and I just started to talk this out with the Lord and dialogue with the Spirit of God. And when I got to a point that I was desperate, man, the Lord spoke to me. And that answer was better than any answer he could have given me when I received it from the Spirit of God. So Sunday night, fast forward to Sunday night, my friend calls me, and uh, I think he was a little on pins and needles there. He probably thought I was still mad at him. And he said, hey, man, how you, how you doing? I said, man, look, the best thing you could have did was what you did. The Lord spoke to me, and he gave me what I needed. And I made those tough decisions. But because the Lord spoke it to me, there was a grace attached. And if he'd have given me just the to-do list, I may not have had that grace attached. The Lord wanted that between him and I. And my friend told me something. And um, it was so wise. He was younger than me, and, and he, he was so wise, and he still is such a wise person for his age. He said, you know, man, I felt like I was becoming your God in a sense. I felt like you were, you, you know, you were coming to me more than you were going to the Lord. And um, he said, you know, I, I want to be careful. He was in a leadership role. He said, I want to be careful that you're not placing that, that on me more than you're placing that on God. And, and I learned in that moment that, man, just like the, 
just like the disciples were whenever Jesus said, hey, we're going somewhere, we can so quickly be that way with other Christian friends or family members. We can be that way with leaders, leaders in the church. We can put the responsibility on those people rather than the Spirit of God. Now, what I'm not saying is that it's bad to get counsel. The Bible says where there's a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. So absolutely, counsel is important, but it's not the substitute. It's a supplement. It's not the substitute for the Spirit of God. And so with all that being said, the three things I want to address or just talk about tonight um, as far as interacting with the Spirit of God, um, the first one is becoming and staying familiar with the presence of God. Uh, many people, especially on a Wednesday night, uh, generally, people who come out on a Wednesday night generally come on Sundays as well. And uh, not everybody, but most people. And usually it's most people who already have a relationship with God. And so beginning a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit or, or becoming familiar might be something that you've already done. But if your walk has been anything like mine, staying familiar may not be where you're at right now. Um, or maybe you know somebody who they know the Lord, but they're not keeping an updated familiarity. Um, you can have one encounter with the presence of God, but that one encounter only lasts so long. In Matthew 6, verse 11, when Jesus taught us to pray, he says, God, give us our daily bread, daily bread. He said in Lamentations, because the Lord, because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. In verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But there's a reoccurring theme that there needs to be a daily pursuit of the presence of God, a daily interaction with the Lord. The other day I was at a friend's house and um, it was me and a couple of, of, of guys and there were tons of kids all over the place. And um, all the kids were between one and seven. And um, my wife and I don't have any kids yet, and uh, we're, we're expecting, but we don't have them yet. And uh, so I'm not used to all the noise, right? And so it was a birthday party, and there is a lot of noise, and there's a lot of kids. Some cruel person brought horns, and so there's kids blowing horns and all these things, and man, I can't think straight, you know? And so I know that's coming. I know that's going to change. But uh, so anyway, I'm sitting there, and, and I could barely pay attention to the conversation. And all of a sudden, one of the guys talking stops talking and hurry, and hurries up and looks to the side and just takes off running. And so I'm looking. Well, his, he's got like a four-year-old or five-year-old. He's on a swing set. He's on the, the top of the swing set. He had climbed up into the little playhouse and climbed on the bar of the swing set and he was teetering on the bar of the swing set and said daddy look now I never heard this kid say daddy look but his dad heard it for sure and he was way over there in a second how many of you have kids in here and would say man it could be in a loud crazy room when my kid hollers I know it's their voice right um and for me you know even if you don't have kids in here um if you have a parent or a grandparent that you're close to, same principle applies. I remember being in a competition when I was younger, and I could hear it was a it was a boxing competition, and my mom was not a fan, and um she she came to only a few, and then but I could hear her so clearly saying, "You better stop that, Brady James," 
And um, it was during a competition. I could hear her say that. And uh, I'll never forget, right? Well, the reason that, that that dad knows that about his son or I heard that about my mom or we do that is because we're so familiar with those voices. There is no way we could possibly mistake those voices. And that's supposed to be how it is with the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be able to hear the Spirit of God that well. And I believe that the more time we spend reading the Word of God and the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more confidence we'll build. Matter of fact, in Jesus, uh, in Jesus John chapter 10, Jesus is talking. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So there's an underlying, with these examples and with that scripture, there's an underlying confidence. It's not a, that guy didn't say, man, I think that's my son hollering. He didn't even, he knew it, right? No one says, I think they know. Matthew 6, verse 1 through 7, talks about how we become uh, familiar with the voice of God. And um, it doesn't say it directly, but I want to pull the principles out together. The principles underlying, I want us to focus on. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, uh, Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have rejected their reward in full or they received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your heart, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. There's a lot said there, but there's an underlying principle that I think it's important for us to grasp. And it's, it's this, it's that God is paying attention to the motives and the desires of our heart. And when our motive in our heart is to commune and connect with an intimate relationship with God, he sees that. Um, when, when our desire is for a, a, a up-to-date relationship and interaction with the Lord, he sees that. But let's talk about the wrong motives real quick, just to list them. We see in verse 1, he, it, it's uh, to be seen by them. In verse 2, to be honored by them. In verse 5, to be seen by men. So we know that God cannot be fooled. God cannot be mocked. So the first way to interact with the spirit of the presence of God is by staying familiar in his presence. Um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him, talking about Jesus, and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So 
Has anybody heard of that story recently came out in the news? Uh, was, there was a, a few celebrities, actually. Their kids didn't make the grades, but the celebrities paid for their kids to go to college, a real prestigious college. And, um, and that came out. It was a big thing. And, um, and honestly, man, in the day and age we live in and, and just the society in general, I didn't, I wasn't surprised. I thought everybody knew people did that, you know? I was like, well, I'm, I'm sure that happens. But, man, they were reprimanded. Some, some serious stuff happened. But I, I thought when I saw that, the reason it didn't take me off guard is there's so many things in society today that are shortcuts. There's so many shortcuts to things. I mean, even, you know, speaking. I mean, there's a lot of unearned platforms nowadays. Like, you don't, you don't have to do anything to have a voice, which there's some pros to that, and then there's some cons to that, right? There's unearned things all over the place. But what I know about God is he don't work that way. You know, we don't have to earn our relationship with God. He's already done the work. But as far as here in the presence of God, there is no shortcut to purchase. There's no quick thing. It takes a sincere desire to spend time in the presence of God. And I know there's a lot of people who get frustrated and say, oh, well, I don't, I don't know how to hear God or I don't feel the presence of God, but they're not willing to put their phone down or turn off the TV or turn, to, you know, flip the computer down or whatever and really spend some time in the presence of God. I know a lot of other people, you know, it doesn't matter. And life groups are good. We are big into life groups. But you can lead 10 life groups. If you don't take your time to have a one-on-one relationship with the Lord, God is not going to show up and say, hey, man, you've been leading all these life groups? Awesome. Here's my presence. Here's a relationship with me. Those things have to happen as an overflow. Not, not God's presence don't show up as a result of that. We should be doing those works as a result of pursuing the presence of God. Amen. And so the second thing I want to talk about interacting with the presence of God is acknowledging the presence of God. So the Bible talks a lot about acknowledging the presence of God because the presence of God could be here or be near you and we could stifle it. Um, one time I was at a, a Chi Alpha event when I was in college and there was, it was an event called Burger Bash. And if you've never heard of it, it's, they hand out free hamburgers. It's an outreach. And so a lot of students go to it. You get free burgers. There's, there's games and prizes. And at the end, they give a big prize away. But right before they do it, they do an altar call or they, they explain the gospel. Uh, they explain what Jesus can do in your life and they invite you. Uh, to receive Jesus. Well, it was the end of the night. Everybody's pretty riled up. Everybody had a lot of fun. And uh, myself and a few people were standing while I think it was Pastor Eric uh, Truel was given the invitation. And while he was given the invitation, I just felt uh, just the, the presence of God. I had, I had goosebumps. I just felt the presence of God there. And I looked to the left and I saw they had a few uh, people who I knew they were Christian people, but they're sitting to the, to the, to the left and they weren't even paying attention. They were kind of joking and cutting up. And, um, then I looked to my right and I noticed they had some people who really did feel the presence of God. Matter of fact, one person said, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. And when they said that, it's almost like it got stronger. 
And I just was like, oh, man, me too. And as we were just talking about it, one of the people was saying, man, Holy Spirit, we just want more of you. We just want more of you. Lord, we just acknowledge you in this place. And as they were doing that, maybe it just happened between us. I don't know. Maybe everybody else felt it. But, man, when we just acknowledged that the presence of God was there, we felt the presence of God even more. I didn't realize this, but when we do acknowledge God, that's biblical that he comes more. Matter of fact, in James chapter 4, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. So there's a difference there. God reciprocates our relationship. So um, have you ever, the other day, I, I think it might have been, might have been me and Jonathan. It was on a Sunday and um, we were outside uh, in the lobby, and someone had passed, and and I thought we made eye contact, and I was like, hey, what's going on? You had a good weekend? And the person just kept walking, you know, <laughs> if that ever happens to you. <laughs> uh, so, of course, it, it's awkward, and it does a little little bit to your ego there, you know, and so it's like, all right, it was awesome. Me too, you know. <laughs> so I didn't continue a conversation with them, though. They just passed me and just kind of looked at Jonathan and He's always so gracious and not making me feel awkward when that happens, you know. And so I looked at him and, and the person turned around and said, hey, were you, were you just talking to me? I said, yeah, it's no big deal. But yeah, I was seeing how your weekend was. Oh, oh man, it was good. Tell me about their weekend. How was yours? And now we're talking. Well, a lot of times that's really what happens with the Lord. Like the Lord will see us walking by or the Lord will just pop up and say, hey, how's you, how you doing? And we just just keep, just keep on walking. And we, we don't really acknowledge the presence of God when we do that. But how many of you know God is just, he's just standing there like, man, if you just turn around, I'm, I'm going to get right back in that conversation with you, right? So God is just waiting on that. Um, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 19, it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Another way to say that is don't ignore the Holy Spirit or shut down the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge the Spirit of God. And so in Luke chapter 4, there's a few examples of why we shouldn't do that. And what does that even look like? Well, how do you acknowledge the Spirit of God? How do you respond to the Spirit of God? In Luke chapter 4, we, we read, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. So one, we can see the Holy Spirit will lead us to go somewhere. In Acts chapter 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So the Holy Spirit can also give specific and detailed instruction if we'll just acknowledge him and pray with him. And then in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, we see Paul and his companions traveled through the region of and Galatia. I don't know how to say that word. Uh, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Wow. So the Holy Spirit actually forbid him from going share the word in a certain location. So we see that not only can he tell you specific things and lead you specific places, but he can also tell you not to go certain places and not to do certain things. But what happens when we make a habit of stifling the Holy Spirit? 
Maybe you're in here, maybe you would say, man, you know, I don't remember the last time I really heard the Spirit of God. Maybe um, you felt the presence of God. Maybe you had an encounter, but it's been a while. If you could honestly say, man, it's been a while since I've done that. In Matthew 13, um, it says this. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be hearing, but never understanding. You will be seeing, but never perceiving. For this, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So what it's saying there is really that word calloused. Our hearts can become, our, our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes can become calloused. In other words, have you ever felt like the Lord convicted you about doing something? Could have been silly, but the Lord just kind of convicted you and, and kind of told you, hey, I, I don't know if I would go there. I don't know if I would do that. And you just rule it out like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. And But it's faithful. Every time you're about to do that thing or go to that place or whatever, that same still small voice tells you, uh, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would go there. After a while, you quit hearing that voice. It's not that the voice quits talking to you, but after a while, you've kind of tuned it out. And that's kind of what it's saying is ears can't hear what the Spirit is saying. Eyes can't see what the Spirit is doing. Now, the good news is... Um, it's just like that conversation example earlier. It just takes turning back. So it's, it's not a big road to, to restoration. It's, it's just a turn back to the Spirit of God. And at the end, we'll actually pray about that. Um, and now the third, the third thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to interacting with the presence of God is recognizing and confronting a religious spirit. So recognizing and confronting a religious spirit. A religious spirit can get in the way of your interaction with the spirit of God. It can. And the reason that a religious spirit can get in the way of your interaction with the presence of God is that a religious spirit is after really one thing, authenticity. That's it. If, if a religious spirit can keep you from being authentic with God, then he can, he can keep you away from having a relationship with God. If he can turn it into a robotic thing, he's, he's won that battle right there. An example would be this. Um, for a while, I got into a very robotic worship uh, routine, if you will. And I had a certain amount of songs. I had picked a song that was that was a good one to start with. And I, I had made my own little playlist. And in, in the mornings, every morning I would, I would worship and I just kept the same songs. And, and pretty soon it was like, golly, I, I, I got to check this box off. And, and it just got so, I don't know, monotonous. And I noticed that one of the times I felt like the Lord just say, man, you're skimming right past something I'm trying to tell you. And I, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. And so a few weeks later, I just kept doing that. A few weeks later, I had been praying about something specific, and I just couldn't feel the presence of God in worship. And so I said, Lord, I just, I told him that. I, can't, I just can't feel the presence of God when I'm trying to worship you. And that same phrase, you keep skating by what I'm trying to tell you. 
and I had worship music playing, one of the lyrics in the song was exactly the wisdom I was needing. But the songs became just a thing I'm following along and singing, and I wasn't singing it from an authentic place in my heart. It was just lyrics, like like white noise it had become to me, um, which wasn't characteristic. You know, it could be a, it could be a, a holy-looking thing that becomes religious. Um, one thing that I've noticed about a religious spirit is that it doesn't just stay in one denomination, and it doesn't just stay in a building, and it, it, it'll go wherever it pleases. A religious spirit will follow you home. A, a religious spirit is just after authenticity, and it doesn't matter where unless it's confronted. And so that's why that point is confront and address a religious spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, be self-controlled and alert. So be focused and paying attention. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then in Galatians, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul is saying this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery, all in the previous chapter, Paul is actually talking about dead religion or, 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 or religious spirited things. And so, you know, a religious spirit could look like a pharisaical attitude that we could adopt, but it could also look holy. Like I was mentioning in Acts chapter 16, it says, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. So what she was saying wasn't inaccurate. They were coming in the name of Jesus and they were declaring those things, but something wasn't right in this lady. It was, it looked good on the outside, but again, like we talked about earlier, the heart motives were wrong. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. A few ways to, to maybe think, man, it, it, is, a, is a religious spirit affecting my life is one of the first things that I was mentioning a while ago. Has your time with God become a checklist to you? And so like, have you felt like, man, I, my reading time is really, I'm just trying to get through it. If I don't check the box off, I feel guilty. I'm just trying to check this box. If, it, if things have become a, a box to check off, that might be something to bring to the Lord. Another thing would be, do you find you look for opportunities to argue matters of faith with other believers? Like you, 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 you've become contentious. That can be a religious spirit. Um, another one would be, do you constantly compare yourself and your righteousness towards other people's righteousness instead of the word of God. And there's a few other things. Um, do you do things, do you follow rules without a desire to have a revelation of why you follow these rules? Those are going through the works. Those could be things of a religious spirit. And in order to interact with the spirit of God, we have to throw them off. And so I just want to pray through those things. If you would, if you could stand with me as we close there are really three things tonight, and I really think that 
not saying everybody or anybody is 100% there, but I think everybody battles with some part of this. And so if we just take a moment to respond to this message, and if you would, just close your eyes or just get in a, in a state of prayer, whatever that is to you. And maybe you would say that, you know what, I need to become or I need to stay more familiar with the presence of God. Maybe you would say, I don't, I don't do that daily. I don't get in the, in the presence of God daily, so I struggle to know the voice of God. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're the second one. Maybe tonight the Holy Spirit is speaking and has been speaking to you about something, but you've stifled him. Maybe there's something that the Lord has been trying to speak to you. Maybe he's been trying to lead you to something. Maybe he's been trying to push you away from something, or maybe he's been trying to speak specifically to you about something, but you've just stifled him. Or maybe you need to recognize and confront a religious spirit in your life or some religious behavior. Just wherever you are right now, I'm just going to pray. And I want you to just come in agreement with this prayer. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, who's, who custom tailors answered prayers, to just look into your heart, look into whatever's applying to you, and answer those things. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that if there's anybody who needs to become more familiar with your spirit, more familiar with your voice, Lord, I just pray that in this moment right now, and we just take a moment, Lord, I pray in this moment right now, you would give them ears to hear your voice right now. Lord, I pray that you would just increase the sensitivity of all of us, God. Increase our sensitivity to your voice. Lord, we want to have the confidence that Jesus had when he heard your voice. We just take a moment. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? If you just personalize that, just ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? next part flows perfectly. Maybe you're here and you need to acknowledge and respond to the presence of God when he prompts you. Maybe personalize a prayer and just say, Lord, I want to acknowledge you speaking to me. I know that you're speaking to me. Maybe you just need to confess that out loud. I know that you speak to me. I know that you're leading me. I know that you're guiding me. I want to respond to that. And then maybe you're in here and you'd say, man, I I think that I have some of that religion creeping in in my relationship with God. Maybe you would say, I do feel robotic in this area and I don't want that anymore. And if that's you, just tell the Lord, Lord, I turn away from that. Holy Spirit, you know right now where each person's at. And Lord, I just thank you that Right now, you're custom tailoring a conversation. Like we talked about earlier, Holy Spirit, you are everywhere all at one time. And you do speak to every person as an individual all at one time. Spirit of God, I just pray that you would continue to move in the lives of everyone here tonight. And lastly, if you're here and you would say, I don't think I've ever even started a relationship with God. I don't know for sure that I have a relationship with Jesus. When I had a conversation with that waiter the other day, it came down to to really two things. 
One, does God want anything to do with me? But the second thing that we talked about was, are you sure that you're going to go to heaven? Are you positive that if something were to happen and you die tonight, you'd spend eternity with Jesus? See, Jesus died so we could have the confident hope of that, the confidence in that. If you're in here and you would, you would say, I, I don't know that for sure, then I want to pray with you. If that is you and you would say, I don't know for sure that if I die tonight that I would go to heaven. I I just don't know that for sure. Do me a favor and just slip your hand up right where you are. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. I see your hands. Well, the good news is this. Jesus, he came and he died on the cross to pay a penalty for our sins that we could never pay. And all he said is that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's the Lord, that he died and rose again, and we repented of our sins, and we said, God, I know I'm not perfect. I need you to take these sins, clean these sins up off of my life. The Bible says that you'll be born again. You'll be a new creation, spiritually born. And so let's just pray. We'll all pray this together. But those of you that raised your hands, if you'll just pray this prayer with me, we're all going to pray it with you. Jesus, we'll just pray it out loud. Just say, Jesus. I know you have paid a price for my mistakes and my sins. I receive that payment. I repent of my sins. I don't want to live like that anymore. Would you come into my heart? Would you clean up my life? And would you be my Lord and my Savior? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. There were several people. Listen, if you did feel, if you did uh, just respond to that, there's a little card in the pew in front of you. If you would do us a favor, we don't want to hound you or pester you. We just want to pray for you. We want to partner with you. We want you to know about the resources we have for you and all those things. There's a card in the pew and you can fill it out and you can either bring it to me up front or you can bring it to the info center when you leave. For the rest of us, I'm just going to pray over you guys real quick and we'll dismiss. Jesus, we just thank you for anything that you've communicated to us tonight. God, we just pray that you would protect any seed you planted, any work that you've done. Lord, we want that progress that you've made in our life to stay. Lord, we forbid the enemy from coming and taking any of that away. And Lord, we thank you that you're continuing to build on our lives and on our relationship. I just pray for everyone, your hedge of protection over them as they leave the night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Love y'all.